Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about the relationship between unemployment and property price growth. And the reason I'd like to do that is that CBA Economics came out last week and and said that property price declines are, I quote, inevitable. And its forecast is that property prices, median house property prices, will fall by around about 10% this year in both Melbourne and Sydney and less uh, in lower falls in other capital cities of Australia over the next six months, that is. Uh, and they cited many reasons uh, for this, including uh, higher unemployment, lower economic activity, uh, lower mortgage volumes, a fall in rent, and fewer overseas buyers. And I wanted to take some time to really look at this forecast and provide my commentary. Uh, And I think this exercise uh, serves as a good reminder that all forecasts are inherently uncertain and they tend to have limited application for uh, investors. Uh, So let's first start with the relationship between unemployment and property price growth. Uh, so simple logic would suggest to us that if le- uh, fewer people are employed, uh, then fewer people will be able to purchase property. And in fact, some people may have to sell their property because they don't have any income uh, to support the mortgage repayments and so forth. And therefore, if there's a fall in demand for property, then uh, quite often there'll be a fall in prices. And that's just the basic laws of supply and demand. Uh, Now, I don't think there's going to be too many people that are going to disagree with that um, thesis. It stands to reason, it stands to logic, um, and fair enough. However, when you go and chart uh, uh, unemployment and property and the subsequent growth, uh, the three-year subsequent average growth uh, from that particular point of unemployment, uh, the, the measure of unemployment, Uh, There doesn't really seem to be a relationship, and I've included the chart and the data on uh, in my blog on my website, and also obviously there's a link in the show notes on this podcast, and it's worth having a look at it. Um, But essentially, what I did is I measured if unemployment, for example, was 11% today, then what I wanted to then what I measured is what is the subsequent three-year growth property growth rate. Um, after we measure unemployment today. So if unemployment's 11% today, arguably there aren't a lot of people in work or there's a lot of people out of work that want to work. Uh, and therefore, if um, the hypothesis that uh, unemployment, higher unemployment should lead to lower property growth, then what I should see is uh, a subdued growth over the next three years on the basis that you know economic cycle tends to take 18 months to three years to sort of work through and for unemployment for those people to get re-employed and so forth. However, the relationship is just not there. And um, maybe the best thing to do is to go back and have a look at what happened during the last recession, uh, the recession that Australia had to have uh, for those people that are old enough to remember that term um, uh, that, that Paul Keating used at the time. Uh, So that recession occurred between 1990 and 1992-93 and over that period of time, really from 1990-1992, unemployment rose from 5.85% to 11.2%, pretty significant uh, increase in unemployment. 
So 5.85, unemployment was uh, last month 5.2. So relatively similar start, sort of starting points. Um, during this period of time, so really uh, from a rolling sort of three-year annual property price growth ranged between 1.1 and 3.4%, so not great growth, but considering inflation was only about 1.5% at the time, uh, in real terms, property prices were relatively flat. So certainly in that period of time, unemployment or higher increasing unemployment didn't lead to property price uh, um, falls. Uh, in, in actual fact, what happened uh, during the 80s, particularly between 85 and 88, the market experienced very strong growth, you know, circa 20% per annum kind of growth. And in fact, property prices started to fall in early 1989. Now, remember, unemployment didn't increase, didn't start increasing until 1990. Um, and uh, uh, so actually, if we have a look at the last recession, um, uh, property price falls actually began before unemployment rose, uh, which is a really interesting uh, observation. Obviously, there hasn't been a lot of data uh, prior to that uh, with economic recessions and any uh, data really prior to the 1980s probably isn't very comparable uh, to really uh, what's happening today for lots of different economic reasons. We floated the dollar, we deregulated the banking industry in the 80s. We did a whole bunch of things uh, in Australia that makes, you know, 1970s, 60s data sort of not very comparable. Um, so why might there be a link week, a weak link, I should say, between unemployment and, and property price growth? Well, of course, I can't uh, offer you a definitive answer. But when I think about it, I think a large part of the answer lies in really two factors. The first thing is that we all need somewhere to live. And then uh, the second thing, which is con in connection to the first thing, is that the housing market is close to equilibrium in terms of supply and demand. That is that most Australians have somewhere to live. And also there's not a lot of vacant houses just lying vacant. You know, we don't... That's not a, uh, an observable situation at the moment. So, uh, of course, there's not a perfect balance, but um, broadly, we have enough houses for enough people, but not too many. Uh, so, for large falls in prices, what needs to happen is there needs to be more sellers than buyers, and so there needs to be some mass selling. Um, now, mass sales can happen in the, the share market without with very limited practical consequences, um, but in the property market, it can't occur uh, without the practical consequences. That is, we all need somewhere to live. Now, of course, there's pockets of people that are discretionary vendors that, that can be discretionary vendors like investors and holiday homeowners and so forth. They've still got their home to live in and they can go and sell their investment property. But these people tend to be in a stronger financial position than the average Australian and therefore should be able to weather or more likely to be able to weather uh, the storm, an economic storm, uh, better than the average. Uh, the second uh, observation of why unemployment might not have as greater impact on property prices as CBA uh, might predict uh, is that um, the average period of unemployment is likely to be shorter in this downturn than previous downturns. And I think the important distinction 
that we need to make is that this situation is unique because the recession was created by a contraction in supply, not a contraction in demand. So normally, economic slowdowns are caused by a fall in consumer demand. That is, demand for goods and services uh, falls because people uh, aren't that optimistic about the future and um, may have lost their job, etc., etc. And that tends to uh, take a longer period of time to recover, an economic cycle, recovery cycle. Again, as I said, one and a half years to three years, sort of around about that sort of period of time. Um, However... The current slowdown has been engineered. It's been a a contraction of supply, that is, that we've been forced to stay in our homes and some businesses that are otherwise viable businesses have been forced to cease trading during this period of time. So it hasn't been driven by demand. It's really been driven by supply. So once the lockdown restrictions have been lifted, demand will likely return at a much faster rate than a demand-driven recession. And as such... Uh, unemployment, the period of unemployment or the period of higher un- unemployment uh, should be much shorter than other other sl- slowdowns. Uh, Westpac, for example, predicts that uh, unemployment will peak at 9% in the third quarter of 2020. But by the time we get to the end of next year, uh, 2021, obviously, unemployment, they predict, will be 5.6%. So only a little bit higher than when all this started at 5.2%. Um, and most other bank forecasts are consistent with this view. I mean, there's a few changes peaking at 9.5% instead and uh, coming back to 6 for example. But broadly, it will peak very quickly uh, and then within a relatively short period of time, we're back down to a pretty healthy level of unemployment, let's be honest. Uh, so if the duration's likely, the duration of unemployment is likely to be much shorter... Uh, then we also need to consider that there's many other support mechanisms that homeowners can draw upon to sort of survive this period of unemployment, like JobKeeper, mortgage repayment pauses, all the things that I've already discussed on this podcast. So the need to sell a property, or people in the need in the in a position of need to sell property, I think are going to be fewer than what we might initially uh, fear or expect. expect. Uh, also, the, the impact of COVID-19 uh, will be patchy throughout the economy. I mean, there's some people and some clients that I've spoken to that are actually going to come out of this period financially stronger than when they entered it, mainly because their income has not changed. It's broadly intact. But most importantly, their spending has reduced because they're not allowed to go out to dinner and uh, other recreational activities and so forth. So they'll come out of the period with more money in the bank. Of course, I'm not blind to the fact that there are um, people that would be worse off, um, but it will be patchy. Uh, my point is that, you know, if you haven't been impacted by COVID and you don't expect to be in the future, then practically your property purchasing plans don't really need to be altered, other than just the emotional kind of confidence or sentiment around this sort of period. Uh, from a practical perspective, there's no real reason um, uh, for some people to sort of stop uh, implementing their plans. Uh, therefore, it's it's possible that there could be a reasonable volume of active, willing and enthusiastic purchases, particularly in some demographics and some geographical locations that might be supportive of um, of prices. And so I'm really thinking about really good quality blue chip locations, for example. Uh, sure, there'll be people in those locations that will be impacted by COVID, 
but also there'll be enough people there that probably aren't impacted by COVID as well. Um, what about some of the other things that CBA cited that might weigh on um, property prices? And these things were falling, falling rents, falling economic activity and falling mortgage volumes. Um, so I don't think the rents and the economic activity are going to have uh, much impact, if any, uh, in investment-grade locations. If we think about falling rents, uh, I mean, certainly that's only for a very finite period of time. I doubt that's going to dissuade uh, investors from investing in property. Um, but certainly a fall in credit, uh, so that is mortgage approvals and mortgage volumes, can have an observable impact on property price growth. And I would expect that mortgage volumes will fall this quarter, partly because of lower demand, but mostly because of operational issues. That is that um, the banks use a lot of uh, human resources that are offshored, uh, and a lot of them just aren't able to attend the office and work and do that work. So that volume of workers then rests back on the Australian-based uh, bank employees, and they're under the pump. Um, and that most banks have a large backlog of work and uh, the, the, the whole system sort of uh, seized up a little bit uh, in terms of, and that's going to impact volumes. But uh, once the lockdown is lifted and people can get back into the office, stop working from home, and also those offshore staff come back in line, uh, online I should say, um, uh, I think volumes will recover pretty quickly. Now, of course, uh, property price data is measured uh, as a medium point, which is the midpoint of all sales. Uh, typically, they'll look at a quarter's worth of sales, although some uh, providers look at monthly data. Um, but the most reliable data is not suburb-based. It's typically um, uh, capital city-based because obviously there's a bigger data set. Uh, so it pro pro provides a more statistically reliable um, source of information. Um, now... It stands to reason that if you uh, wanted to sell a property but you were under no compulsion to sell it within any specific period of time, that you would probably decide not to sell it today. You would probably say, why don't I wait until this COVID situation has passed and um, in inverted commas, the property market's back to normal. Therefore, it's reasonable to assume that most people that are currently selling a property in this market have to do so uh, for reasons, uh, for financial reasons or other lifestyle reasons, but it's not entirely their choice. Uh, in this case, uh, the motivated uh, seller, the first motivated seller to drop their price tends to get the sale. Or, so therefore, it won't be surprising that um, of all the data that occurs in this quarter, that a lot of it will be motivated vendors uh, that have, uh, haven't really been in a position to hold out for a higher price and therefore might not be representative of the intrinsic value of property at that particular time. I'm not saying the data is flawed, nor the data is incorrect, or we should ignore it. It is what it is. All I'm saying is that if most of the vendors in uh, a, a particular quarter, and I'm not saying they are, but I'm saying if most of the vendors in a particular quarter are motivated vendors, then of course we should expect median data to fall. But does that mean the intrinsic value of property has fallen within that period of time? Now, of course, this makes for interesting discussion. And in fact, I like economics as a topic. It was my favourite subject at university. Um, and it is very interesting. 
But the reality is on this occasion, it shouldn't really inform your personal investment decisions. You know, whether the median house price falls or rises over the next 12 months um, shouldn't really indicate whether you should hold off purchasing a particular type of property in a particular type of location because that data isn't really um, applicable necessarily to that location. You know, most people understand that property doesn't move uniformly. In fact, property can behave uh, completely differently in different locations and for different property type. And that capital city median house prices is such a broad measure that again, its application is limited. So of course, this makes for interesting um, reading and discussion points and so forth. But beyond that, it doesn't really help us uh, as investment uh, as investors to sort of inform our decisions, uh, uh, what we may or may not do over the next period of time. Uh, just as an aside, it will have an impact uh, this year on people's borrowable equity. So of course, when a valuer goes out and values a property, they'll tend to look at um, comparable sales uh, that have occurred over the last six to 12 months. Now, at the moment, at the moment, we're looking at data towards the end of uh, 2019 at the start of 2020, and that's relatively been a relatively strong uh, market, and it's supportive of higher valuations. However, as we get deeper into the year, and, and more of the period covers this lockdown period, it's something to keep in mind that the sales price data won't necessarily be very supportive or very helpful. So therefore, accessing equity today might be a better thing to do than, for example, uh, trying to access equity later in this year because you're going to have to live with this, the comparable sales that have transpired uh, during this period. And finally, I'd like to say that expect the noise around property prices to get louder. You know, in the 18 years since starting ProSolution, I've only ever read one article, uh, and I think that was in the last two years, that was positive about property. That is, that they thought now was a great time to get into the market. The rest of the time, the theme around property media, media ebbs and flows between, you know, a property bubble, it's overvalued, it's ridiculous, to property markets about to crash. It's never positive. It's never, you know, property is fairly priced or it's a great opportunity. And I anticipate that we'll probably see more negative stories this year, particularly as more uh, median data comes online. But remember, this is written to sell clicks and views and papers and so forth. It's not really written to inform uh, investment decisions and it shouldn't be used that way uh, to either shape uh, investment decisions, positive or negative. Uh, so there you go. That's my thoughts around un unemployment and its impact on property price growth. Um, hopefully it adds a little bit of fuel or um, addition, uh, a different viewpoint uh, to some of the forecasts out there. Uh, and, and puts uh, it all in perspective uh, for us as property, individual property investors about what is meaningful and what is uh, less meaningful. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, uh, please uh, rate it. Uh, you can do that on uh, the other podcast app in, uh, on an Apple device. Uh, just leave a star rating and or a comment. comment. Uh, that really helps uh, spread the word a little bit. And until next week, bye for now.